A highly efficient way to heat and cool your home could be lying just below the surface. I'm Robert Colangelo and this is Green Sense, where we explore the latest eco innovations. Dandelion Energy is a geothermal energy company that's seen some good growth in recent years. Having first started out under Google X's Moonshot Factory division, we're joined now by CEO Michael Saxe. Michael, welcome to Green Sense. Great to be here, Robert. Well, tell us more about the Google's X Moonshot Factory. Uh, I think some people have heard about it, others haven't, but anything that Google's involved with uh, sure sounds interesting. So tell us uh, what it is and how you got involved. Yeah, sure. So um, the basic idea is like often the things that are most important are uh, not obvious from an investment standpoint. And so being able to experiment on a project that people might otherwise laugh you out of the room on, uh, there's actually a lot of value to doing that. And uh, that was the idea behind X and, uh, and the idea at the beginning behind Dandelion. So when you, uh, geothermal drilling or geothermal heating and coolies been around for a long while, why would anybody laugh you out of the room on that? Well, so the problem was everyone felt like it, it was understood. Uh, and you know, what we couldn't figure out was why is it so expensive? There's gotta be a way to make this more achievable for people. We knew it worked. Uh, we just knew it was also beyond reach for a lot of families. And so uh, that was really the way we wanted to tackle it. And uh, you know, the other thing I'll say is anytime you're dealing with uh, hardware and dirt, uh, you know, it's not the same as uh, when you have some cool new app. And so, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little more money and experimentation to get going. Well, I'm a recovering hydrogeologist, so I understand the uh, complexities of being out in the field, and especially working with high-tech technology. Um, you know, when you think of Google, you think of high-tech. When I think of geothermal heat pumps, like you said, it's a dirty business. Why would they get involved with something like that? Yeah, well, so... The thing that we really got focused on was could we bring data to make this uh, more cost efficient? And so we really look at using data in two parts. One is, can we use data to understand what's under the ground and how the heat is exchanged and how it will be exchanged? Uh, that's really important because that determines the cost of the ground loop. Uh, and then the second part is, can we use data to model how the home's consuming energy uh, and that's really important because that goes to the size of the heat pump. So those were the two big things that really got us going. Well, a lot of people don't realize that uh, you can heat your home in the winter, cool it in the summer, just by tapping into that underground geothermal layer. And there's two major ways that geothermal energy can be tapped. So can, if you could explain both, how they work, how they differ, and then what uh, form do you utilize? Yeah, so... Um, so what we do is uh, you, we drill a bore in the in your backyard. It's it's on average 370 feet deep, uh, and then we put um, a, a ground loop in, uh, which is really in many ways just a hose uh, filled with water, um, and that uh, then you, we use the constant temperature of the earth, uh, about 50 to 55 degrees to serve as really a ballast for the house. So when it's very hot, that's colder. When it's very, when it's very cold, that's hotter. Um, so that's the way that, you know, we've designed our system. Um, you know, there are other systems out there uh, 
some people have used um, you know, ponds and laid loops and ponds uh, as a source of heat exchange. Uh, people have also done horizontal trenches uh, to bury a ground loop. So there have been a number of ways to pursue it. So talk a little bit about passive geothermal, such as uh, places like Iceland, where they tap into heat and how that differs from what you're doing. Yeah, so, um, you know, that, so in that version, you're, you're really tapping into the, the like, a, a volcanic activity within the earth. Uh, and so I actually took my honeymoon in Iceland, uh, <laughs> got great sort of showers that smelled a little bit of sulfur. Uh, we also toured a geothermal uh, power plant, maybe not the most romantic activity. Um, but anyhow, um, so you know, there but you're, you're dedicated to your craft. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, there you're just capturing heat that is coming up from the earth already. Uh, whereas what we're doing, it has nothing to do with volcanic activity. Someone asked me once, is there going to be lava in your backyard? There's not. Uh, you know, it's really just the idea that the soil is uh, capturing heat from the sun and storing it. And then we're trying to use that heat uh, to help, um, you know, to help uh, efficiently uh, heat and cool homes. Uh, so in general terms, tell us a little bit about the economics and, and how you can save money using a geothermal heat loop and why it's good for the environment. Sure. So the, the big, so once your geothermal heat loops installed, your heating bill is going to be 20% of what it used to be. And your air conditioning bill is going to be 70% of what it used to be. And your expense for hot water will be 50% of what it used to be. So you know, that's the core of the economics. And then the challenge is, of course, it can be expensive to come in and drill, and it can be expensive to put a heat pump into someone's home. And so the way we look at it is that, you know, it's got to be that the cost of operating the geothermal system and the cost of installing it has got to pay back for you. And most of our customers see a payback uh, within five to seven years or if they finance, their average energy bill is going to be the same or lower uh, from day one. So what does that capital expenditure look like, that upfront cost? Yeah, so for us, um, you know, a system is going to run thirty dollars to $40,000, uh, and then you're going to have an investment tax credit that you would see after that, which is going to be 26%. Uh, there often are uh, state and local rebates that come into play. And then after that, you're really looking at the cost of replacing a furnace that you may already have, and then the cost of the fuel uh, that you would be spending to heat or cool your home. So it sounds like uh, with all these tax credits, uh, maybe around 20000 and a typical uh, heating and cooling system and a uh, water heater, I don't know, maybe seven to 10,000. So maybe it's twice as much. That's right, that's right. And then you're looking at significantly lower expenses for years and years. And the environmental benefits? Yeah, so you know, this is one of the things that we're really passionate about. Um, so geothermal is fully electric. So I definitely believe that you know one of the things we need to do is uh, you know electrify as many things as possible. The heat pump runs off electricity. 
but for every unit of electricity you're using to operate the heat pump, you're getting four out of the ground. Uh, and so that's really, and that is, there's no burning of anything. Um, it's just that heat exchange that occurs naturally. And so um, that's why we really think, particularly in cold places like Chicago, uh, it's the single best thing you can do to improve the sustainability of your home. The geology varies greatly throughout the U.S. from unconsolidated sediments uh, from glacial deposits here in the Midwest to granitics and rocky formations on the coast. So what kind of challenges does the geology present in putting these systems in nationwide? Yeah, so, the, you know, the biggest challenge is just understanding what you're getting into. Uh, you know, unconsolidated can be great if you're prepared for it and are bringing the right equipment. By the same token, uh, you know, hard rock can also be efficient, again, if you're bringing the right equipment. So a big thing that we really focus on is just understanding what the soil is likely to be. Uh, and that can vary a lot um, just within, you know, a few counties. Uh, and so that's the type of thing we really work hard to understand. Is it uh, more cost effective to install this in a new home? or to replace in an existing home? And how yeah. disruptive is it when you're starting to drill and install these, uh, you know, uh, uh, large amount of feet of coil? Yeah, so um, it's always, um, from, from a disturbance standpoint, it's always gonna be easier in a new home because you're talking about a construction site to begin with and it's easier to get in and out. Uh, from a cost standpoint, it doesn't make that big a difference because uh, you know really you've got the hard costs of the drilling and the heat pump. Um, in in terms of how much disturbance it makes to an existing home, you know, frankly, that's one of the things we've really focused a lot on. Uh, so we bring very small equipment with an idea to minimize the impact uh, to the yard. Uh, there will be some uh, tread tracks uh, on your lawn for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, the drilling does make a bit of a mess, uh, but, you know, we're careful to clean it up. And uh, then once it's done, you, you know, the yards return to the condition it was in before. So you mentioned Chicago, and like most urban areas, they're very densely packed. Uh, you've got multifamily apartments, you've got commercial buildings, you've got homes close together. How hard is it to put a uh, heat pump in an area that's densely uh, packed together like that? Yeah, so, you know, it, so for us, where we're really focused is on the suburbs at this stage, because, uh, you know, it can, it can be difficult. It really just depends on the individual uh, homes layout. You could certainly drill for a townhome, uh, but, you know, there are all these questions around, you know, where, you know, is the heat pump at the front of the home or the back of the home? If, are you able to access the front or the back? So typically for us, we look at um, the suburbs uh, just because it tends to be a little easier uh, to, you know, to maneuver around and get in. And also I would think the maze of buried pipes and water lines and electric lines in the city can get very complicated. No question. Um, so immediately what comes to mind is the ability to work in concert with other renewables like solar panels or wind. Tell me, have you been able to uh, 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 couple different solar and different renewable energy technologies with this? Sure. So, 
you know, geothermal is using electricity. It's not creating electricity. It's uh, using electricity to augment heating and cooling. Uh, solar is creating electricity. And so you know, we've seen uh, not an enormous number, but definitely seen some customers who you know, their goal is to get to net zero. And so they'll put solar panels on the home and geothermal in the ground and uh, the solar panels you know, at the right times can uh, run the geothermal systems. Is that cost effective? Well, so that's going to really depend place to place. Uh, you know, it, it really just ends up being a separate question. If the solar's cost effective and the geo's cost effective, then together they'll, they'll work great. Geothermal sounds like a wonderful idea to me, and I'm always amazed when we do this topic on the show why it's not more widely used. Tell us what you see the biggest obstacles are from preventing this to be a, a widely used technology. Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think, you know, one is uh, most people don't know about it. Uh, two is, you know, it takes a little bit of planning. So, um, you know, for a lot of people, I think, they don't want to think about their furnace and when the furnace breaks they just get a new one and geothermal you have to plan ahead a little bit um, and then third i think traditionally has been cost it's just been something where if you were very wealthy or if you lived in a rural area where there was a lot of space or you happen to have a pond uh, around your yard uh, you know it would work well and so that's really been the part that we've been trying to solve is make it make it more cost effective for more people so as you said, it's been around for a while. It's sort of a or What do you bring to the table that's so unique? Yeah, so I think a couple of things. Um, you know, one is uh, you know, we, we really have invested a lot in modeling the heat exchange under the ground and the heat uh, consumption of the homes. And that just allows us to size systems properly. We think a lot of systems have been oversized. Um, second, we focus exclusively on residential, and that makes a big difference because that goes to the type of equipment we bring. So the traditional water well that a lot of people have used for this literally can't fit into half the homes, half the yards that we service. And so that's been another big thing. And the third is really that um, you know, we've been able to create customer awareness and uh, that's enabled us to really focus on residential uh, also. And uh, that's been a new thing as well. And frankly, wouldn't have been possible a generation ago because you couldn't find folks over Facebook and uh, you know, sell to them online. Has COVID-19 created challenges or, or opportunities for your business? Well, a little bit of both. Um, so it's created opportunities in that um, it's really forced us to be creative and really thoughtful about when do we go to someone's home and trying to figure out if there's anything that can be done remotely. Uh, so that's been, that's actually been great for us. We've learned to sell uh, over video and price over video, um, which is a big deal in our industry. Uh, the hard part is that, you know, we've got to be careful about folks getting sick and you know we've had some of our crew members get sick and so sometimes you know we end up with a, a team that's quarantined at a time mm -hmm. we didn't expect. Well Michael I appreciate you joining us on GreenSense and uh, the more renewable energies we can get out there I think the better we'll all be so thanks uh, for what you do. 
My pleasure. Thanks for uh, talking to me. That's Dandelion CEO Michael Sexy. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com. And check out the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago.